Hello and welcome to Chapter and Verse, The Art of Selling Children's Books. My name is Charlotte Eyre and this podcast is brought to you by the bookseller magazine and marketing agency Rocket. Today's episode is all about launching a YA writing career during a pandemic, which is not an easy thing to do. And my guest is Farida Obika Eimidig, whose YA novel Ace of Spades is published in June. Ace of Spades, described by the publisher Osborne as Get Out meets Gossip Girl with a shocking twist, is set in an elite private school. Devon and Chiamaka are the only black students, and when someone begins to spread rumours about them, they have to fight not only for their reputation, but also their lives. The book is already getting rave reviews, and my colleague Fiona Noble, children's previewer at the bookseller, says it is the YA book she's most excited about this year. Hi, Farida, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Can you tell me, in your own words, what the novel is about and what inspired the story? Yes, so the book is basically about two characters, Devon and Shemaka, in their senior year of high school. And they're very different people. They have like different interests in both different like cliques. And um, they start receiving messages from someone called Aces, who is exposing all of their deepest, darkest secrets. And they must team up in order to take them down before things get deadly. And um, I was inspired by my love of Gossip Girl and also just moving to Scotland um, from London and just how different that was and the new microaggressions I was experiencing and just the different environment and how things felt kind of horrific sometimes. Okay, that sounds quite tough. So would you say that you experienced some of the difficulties, you know, without giving anything away that the characters experience in the book? Yes, definitely. I think, um, you know, stuff like as simple as staring, uh, like people like staring at you for a very prolonged amount of time um, as you're walking around campus or um, teachers kind of talking down to you. I think I really experience a lot of the microaggressions that are kind of depicted in the book. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of uh, it was sad experiencing it, but I'm really happy I was able to uh, kind of articulate my experience so that other you know, Black teenagers can see their experiences also reflected. One thing I really liked about the book is that your characters are very complex. And, you know, maybe you can talk a little bit more about this, but they, they didn't feel like stereotypical characters in a YA novel. They're not necessarily always likeable. They're very different from each other. I mean, is that something that you wanted to do on purpose as well, to show how different young teenagers can be? Yeah, exactly. I think teenagers can be such complex people and they're often kind of made into one like one dimensional characters in movies and stuff and I really wanted to show that there's so many layers to people and you know a mean girl might be really unlikable but she might also have a lot of mental health problems or like self-confidence issues that you don't see come through in public because they're kind of playing a character at school Um, and I also wanted to specifically kind of break stereotypes of black kids especially um, because I think there are so many stereotypes attached to what black teenagers should kind of act like and um, what they should be interested in and I want to show two very diverse characters in personality as well as backgrounds you know Chimaka is wealthy and Devon is from a lower socioeconomic background and I wanted to just show that we come from all different kinds of walks of life despite being black. And you tell the story using their two different voices don't you I mean was that difficult because they are quite different and they don't even particularly like each other in the beginning yeah actually it wasn't difficult because I think when the characters don't like each other and they just are polar opposites it's almost like writing two books at once 
um, because they're just so different. Like they have different voices and just different humor as well. Yeah. So it's kind of fun in a way, I guess, to do that as an author. Yeah, it was really a lot of fun because um, I think seeing them interact is just really um, like just seeing, I guess, people that you would never see normally interact. So it was just really, really cool. Yeah. Now, without giving away the ending, I wanted to talk about how you sort of talk about the prejudice and racism the characters face. And I think the structure of the, the way it's structured in the novel is really clever because in the beginning of the book, the reader could imagine that it's just coming from fellow students. But as the book builds and the story continues, the structural racism becomes clearer. Now, was that a deliberate thing that you did when you were plotting the story? Yes, I think um, so many times in like stories that focus on racism, we see kind of the one-to-one racist interactions that people experience, but it's actually bigger than that. And I wanted to highlight the way it's actually like systemic. And um, while it may show itself in microaggressions from maybe a teacher or like um, a friend or someone you would consider a friend, often those like those microaggressions and those like uh, singular racist incidences are actually part of something much bigger that trickles down to those people in that specific moment. So I really wanted to show um, how racism kind of started and how it like trickles down to affect everyone, um, no matter their race and their perceptions of other people and their perceptions of the world and their place in it. Were there things that happened in the book in terms of systematic racism that happened to you when you were at school? Without giving away too much, I think there was definitely like certain situations where I had like a teacher, for example, who I thought was like trying to help me actually had ulterior motives, like just telling me like I should probably not try too hard and that black kids don't actually do well in life statistically. And just kind of those type of really backhanded uh, comments I would get from people that were meant to be there for you in like an educational setting Um, But generally, because I went to a very, I guess, diverse school, my school was mostly made up of black and brown students that I didn't really experience the microaggressions from white students until I got to university. So I think it was mostly the the teacher aspect and how that kind of affected me um, that is reflected in the book as well. I think talking about racism and microaggressions is something that is being tackled more and more in publishing and rightly so. And that's just one reason why your book is so important in terms of YA in 2021. Now, let's talk about getting published. How long did it take for you to write your book and what steps did you take to get your book published? The book actually took around 28 days to write. What? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a very fast writer. I think um, the fastest I've ever written a book is 10 days. I think because I have such a really robust outline before I go in, it's usually like at least 10,000 words of me writing down everything that goes on and just like some pieces of dialogue and like themes I want to cover. I kind of have already like a checklist of things to be writing each day so that's why it was so fast but then from that point it took a few months to find an agent but even before that I'd written other books and tried to get published with those books and get an agent with those books but it was just so difficult and yeah I think after I got like an agent uh, we did some revisions on the book and then we went out to Osborne first in 2018 Mm -hmm. and then we then went on submission I got a new agent and we went on submission earlier last year and I had the success in the US with that deal as well. 
Yes. So you've been signed by Macmillan US and it it was very, it hit all the headlines because it was a seven figure deal. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to reveal exactly what it was, but I mean, that must have felt like a really big step, a very exciting step for you. Yeah, it was really, really surprising. I think um, I never expected something like that, especially because I think often when you're in the industry and it's not really an industry that historically has many people of colour um, as authors in it because of kind of barriers and all the like systemic stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Um, so I was just surprised that, um, number one, I got a publishing deal in the first place and there was that much like support in-house from so many different people. And I mean, you you are very young and I think sort of the headlines, the media can often pick up on that and then sort of portray these kind of deals as if, you know, this is a sudden thing and it's happened very fast. But like you say, you've written lots of books before, sent this out on submission a couple of years ago. Does it feel like things happen quickly or does this actually feel like something that's been a while in the making? Definitely feels like it's been a while in the making. Um, so I like, started working on the book kind of at stage of like conception in like 2017. And um, I've been like trying to get published way before that as well. I mean, I, I'm quite young, so it was like, my teenage self trying to get agents to support my very bad work at the time. <laughs> and so I think it's been a long time in the in the making, but I think a lot of people do have the perception that younger writers are kind of just suddenly popping up out of nowhere and like getting like a deal quite easily. But I think I've just been working quite hard and like working for a long time on it. Can you tell us a bit about the stories that you worked on before that didn't manage to land with an agent? Uh, one of the first ones was a really awful kind of sci-fi retelling of like a Shakespearean play. It was like not planned at all. And I don't know why I wrote sci-fi. I'm not really into sci-fi that much. I just thought it would be cool to add aliens. But yeah, it was really awful. Well, I was going to ask, I mean, do you think your previous stories didn't work because of the stories or is just the publishing industry not in the right place? Because as we know, it's the publishing industry is working harder and needs to do more all the time to acquire books by authors of colour. So like I say, did you, do you feel like the publishing industry wasn't ready for you or that you, you weren't quite there with your writing? I think it was a mixture of both. I think the earlier stories um, weren't ready to be published or I don't think they were written that well um, anyway but um, I think that the later stories that were leading up to like me writing Ace of Spades eventually were definitely a lot stronger and I think it was a matter of um, publishing kind of expecting one kind of story from black writers at the time rather than um, wanting you know all sorts of stories from us and um, I think also the market obviously plays a really huge role I think um, with the success of One of Us is Lying it really opened up Um, the market for like thrillers which was really lovely and yeah I think it's just a really good time for thrillers in uh, YA right now. It is yeah they're hugely popular like you say it's a really big trend. This week we are joined by Jasmine Bensall and Georgia Henry. Jas works at HarperCollins as a senior marketing executive and Georgia is a campaign manager at Rocket. Both of them have worked on massive YA campaigns here in the UK and are big fans of Farida and her book. Later on in the episode, Farida is actually going to mention Jazz as someone in the industry she admires, so keep an ear out for that. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. It's really great to have you here today to give us uh, some of your insights into the industry. But first of all, it would be really great if you could tell us um, your names and um, what you do in publishing. Georgia, can you go first? Yeah, hi, I'm Georgia. I am campaign manager and children's specialist for Rocket. 
Um, so I mostly look after children's publishers, everything from influencer marketing to VOD, anything really that happens in children's marketing. <laughs> And you, of course, have been on uh, the podcast before, so you know what this is all about. Uh, hello again. <laughs> hello. Uh, Jazz, you haven't been on the podcast, but um, it's really lovely to have you here. Can you tell us, um, introduce yourself, please? Yeah, of course. So I'm Jazz Bean. I'm the Senior Marketing Exec at Farshaw, which is an imprint of HarperCollins. And I work across our entire list. So that's pitch book fiction, brands, um, and also across Electric Monkey, which is our YA imprint. Yeah. Great. Now, we have been speaking with Farida and her book, Ace of Spades, is one of the biggest new YA titles of this year. Tell me about hype. When you've got a really big name and a book that everyone's talking about, how do you ensure that you guys keep that hype and that excitement going? Um, Jazz, do you want to go first? Yeah, of course. So I think starting really early is definitely key and getting the authors as involved as possible if they're kind of comfortable and able to do so. But often, you know, it's a lot of the the fans who are kind of leading that hype and really reacting to how they're reacting to the book feels really key. And utilising kind of reader reviews, um, utilising extracts, really jumping on board and how people are reacting to the book. So often they'll tell you what it is that they really resonate with and latching onto those as kind of key themes throughout the campaign um, is usually where we see the most success. Can you tell me about what, how you would use something a reader or a fan says about a book in the marketing? Like, What would you take and then how would you use it in your work? So often I think the first places we do get reviews are across social media and across Twitter, but also why readers are amazing at kind of heading to Goodreads and um, kind of like letting people know what it is that they're excited about. And we'll often use little snippets of those reviews in our pre-pub marketing, um, so across paid Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I do think that peer reviews are what people often trust. They they come across as the most authentic thing possible. I think that and content direct from the author is way more authentic and genuine than anything that we can really put across ourselves. So using those um, in early paid tactics are usually my first port of call. Georgia, can you tell me a little bit about the difference between pre-pub activity and post-publication activity? and the different kinds of strategies you would use with a debut author? Yeah, definitely. I'd say pre-pub, I would go for less of a hard sales message because it is harder to motivate somebody to to pre-order it than have an incentive. So if you can, instead of doing paid media, maybe run some kind of competition on on your organic socials or make it just a little bit less commercial. Um, For example, before, if we've created a trailer that's going to go on TV or VOD after publication have the author post it out or have you know have it go on the publisher's socials before pub and then it's just you're kind of sweating the asset but people are going to get excited and comment and you know you can have the pre-order messaging and have encouragement there but yeah generally I would say we we don't often put a huge amount of paid spend into there but I think having it unless it you know especially with the debut author but yeah like Jazz said having them chatting directly to people on Twitter as well is really nice and especially I know Farida was amazing at that for pre-Ace of Spades and then post-publication really first week of that you need to hit the ground running so have loads of things coming out that time um, usually you know to impact first week sales it's usually then um, and then it starts to run off after that so in the case of Ace of Spades we had all the influencers go live that on pub day um, and then it kind of had that first week to build traction and get and get everybody excited who 
you know, maybe won't have been across that core fan base of hers um, in the lead up to, to publication. Yeah. And did you talk to Farida about um, social media? Because you guys both mentioned that the importance of an author's social media profile. Um, and she's obviously super engaged on social media, super chatty, has a lot of fans. But is that, again, is that all come from her? Or did you sort of sit down and have conversations about the kind of things you thought she should be posting and when? We didn't personally, that her um, Osborne might have done that. But for the work that we did post-pub, we decided to go for TikTok because Instagram and Twitter was like completely covered because she has such a big presence. So we went for TikTok to have like a little bit of a different circle of readers on there um, and also create some really nice visuals for the campaign, which was, you know, a different layer to it. So it's interesting. So it's almost like she had Instagram covered so you guys could focus on something else. Mm -hmm. Um, Jazz, tell me about working with debut authors in general, because I imagine you need to hold their hands sometimes. This might be all new and scary for them. How is it different when you're working with somebody who's not actually been published before? Yeah, I think um, author care is a really key part of the campaign strategy and kind of sitting down with them early on and understanding what they are and aren't comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we always, we, we do kind of a social media workshop with authors, if that's something that they need from us. But there's also this uh, this element of, if this isn't something you want to do, then it is our job to do it for you and have that presence. And um, so it's quite bespoke, depending on what the author does and doesn't want to do. And that's completely okay too. But yeah, I think um, when it came to Holly Jackson, she was a debut when we started working with her. And um, we talked to her quite early on understood where she wanted to grow her profile she was quite keen in getting involved and wanting to grow her presence across Twitter so we talked about ways that we could do that together tie that into PR and Yalk is like a key moment to do that Um, and we've seen her presence grow since then so um, talking to them and creating that plan together has been really beneficial for us. For any readers who are unsure about what Yalk means it's Young Adult Literature Convention which is an annual event celebrating why literature and it's amazing isn't it Daz about how passionate the people who go are about YA yeah I mean I think it's one of the reasons I love YA just like the readers and the fans and that kind of Gen Z and millennial readership who really get behind authors as well as the craft that they're creating feels like a really supportive place and yeah I'm excited to hopefully go again in real life soon (laughs) yeah me too for sure and Jess have you ever worked with an author who says I just don't want to do social media at all There are a couple who it's quite a new, it can be, I mean, social media is really daunting if it's not a platform you're already on. Um, And I like to put myself forward to them as a bit of a case study. Like I also wasn't really across social before getting into the industry. So, you know, personal experience and kind of letting them know what I found comfortable and difficult. Um, But yeah, there have been a couple who have decided to take a step back and authors have things going on in their life outside of writing their book. So um, yeah, yeah, we have been there, and that's when we'll take an extra step forward, and we'll be the we'll be their voice on social from our official accounts, and that works completely fine too. Now, Georgia, give me a bit a bit of more of an overview of the YA market in general. I mean, it's quite quite tough. There are super fans, but it's it can be quite difficult to really get those big sales with YA, especially if the author is not American. Give me some broad brushstroke tips on how to launch a new name on the market um it's it's definitely difficult um it's a difficult market to crack but I think once you're there there's such um 
loyal fans which is really you know like jazz said it's really nice community and it's really supportive with a debut or with a less known author I would say I always try and harness the like the core message of the book because you know as Farida talks about the readers want to like buy in and relate to a message and and the, and the plot um and I think YA is definitely you know it's that time in life when emotions are running really high um, you know, it's kind of why everyone's loving Olivia Rodrigo at the moment. It's that same thing. If you want to like feel seen and feel like someone's reaching out to you via in that's via YA. So that's what I try and do in any campaign is really harness that messaging and, and find a community who are going to relate to that message as well. Yeah, and in Farida's book, there's some really big themes. There's it's a lot. Of, it's about institutional racism. It's about an, a privilege, unearned privilege, all those kind of things. And I'm guessing that with that book, those came to the fore as well in your campaigns. Definitely, yeah, it's definitely really important to um, shine a light on those things as they're themes that aren't at the front of of a lot of books, um, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, we definitely had you know quite a diverse influence campaign, and important to have a like a variety of voices talking about it on the campaign um yeah so and it's been amazing that how well her book has been received it's, it's just she's just incredible no it's phenomenal and when you say influences is this on instagram only or on other platforms as well this is tiktok only tiktok sorry yeah okay tell me about how you find and work with influencers on tiktok because it's such a new world isn't it it's really new um it's been about a year that i've been working on it and it's really hard to actually find them because usually the publishers we work with generally want to a UK-based influencer. And so much of the creatives, if you've been on there, is voiceovers. Um, and they may not even speak in the video. They may have a music track. So it's like, are you British? I can't tell. Mm. Um, which can be quite difficult. But we've built up quite a nice community of um, book talkers, as they're known. And so generally, we can just chat to them about, you know, they're always really excited, particularly YA, you know, is one is the main theme across book talk where everyone's excited about it leaning a little bit into fantasy and romance but YA more generally is massive so yeah we've got a nice community on there and Jazz, one of the big books you've been working on this summer is um, Blackout tell me about that book the authors and the work that you've been doing to promote it I'd love to <laughs> so uh, Blackout is an interlinked collection of love stories written by kind of like a who's who of YA so it's Danielle Clayton, Tiffany D. Jackson, uh, Nick Stone, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk and Nicola Yoon. Um, and together, these authors have created what is just like a celebration of love and of New York and that kind of, they've put summer into a book and it's just what everyone needs right now. And what really became apparent is that these aren't just co-authors, they're kind of like real life best friends. And it makes marketing the book so much easier and happier to like have them be able to talk about it with such joy themselves so we really utilized them early on and they were kind of a hero title in our electric monkey showcase which was the first event we've done of its kind and where they talked about the book writing it um writing it in lockdown and I think that itself really resonated with people kind of the idea of creating something really radiant in what is quite a dark time so this message of finding light in the darkness has kind of been seeded throughout our campaign and um, but we've worked with Georgia on a couple of tactics so we've been um, employing TikTokers to talk about the book across the platform we've also worked across some crossover um, crossover marketing so 
podcast has been really key for us um, to reach that kind of older and um, millennial readership. And then we've also had presence across other digital platforms like Snapchat. So we're really just trying to hit our key demographics in as many places as possible to spread wide of this book. So Snapchat is still a thing, is it? No, Snapchat's definitely still a thing. I find it quite nice for if those if they're a little bit young for TikTok, for example, like to get the slightly younger ones. So maybe like your 15 to 17s. It's really nice. Um, we see really good results on there. Good to know. So we've got Snapchat, the, the young teens, then TikTok. And then for the older millennials, like Jazz was saying, it's all about the podcasts. That's right. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, guys. It's been really nice to have you on the podcast today. And if anyone hasn't read any of the books that we've talked about, do get down to a local independent bookshop to pick one up because they are fantastic. You are, of course, launching in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic. So during this pre-publication period, you would normally be out and about meeting people. Your agents would be taking you to places and book fairs and introducing you to everyone. But you can't do that because we can't go out and about. So what have you been doing to connect with people and get the word out about your novel? Um, I've just been trying to stay active on social media and um, just um, being part of the community and like, you know, speaking to bloggers and um, just finding out about people that are interested in like, you know, YA and also reading my book. And um, I think it's been a really weird time because I think um, I've listened to so many podcasts before about other authors and their experience in like pre-coronavirus times. And um, it just looks so different now mm. for coming into the industry and publishing. So I think um, I've just been trying to stay active online and um, ensuring that like, I'm just being a good member of the community. What does being a good member of the community um, involve? So what have you been doing? I think it's kind of showing updates on things that people might be interested in. I know there's a lot of young writers that follow me and they would love to also get into the industry, but there's not often a lot of guidance on that. So I always try to be quite transparent about the process. And um, I also uh, try and do things like giveaways that like get people excited and also just sharing um cool things with people that are following me just so that they feel like they're also part of the journey and they're also um you know just part of launching um something that they believe in hopefully um but yeah I think being part of a community in a good way is just um engaging genuinely and just I don't know doing good things uh that are exciting yeah I really liked your um 10 facts about myself section on your website when you just sort of introduce yourself with fun interesting facts like Amsterdam is one of your favorite cities mine too by the way it's just a really nice way of connecting with readers I think because they can't come and see you at a book at a book reading or a festival at the moment can they exactly yeah I'm really glad you like Amsterdam I think it's so underrated isn't it not Paris Amsterdam is where it's at exactly I believe that really strongly And how have you found this pre-publication period? Exciting, daunting, bit of everything? Yeah, a bit of everything, to be honest. I think um, it's so weird because um, I think there's just so much going on constantly. And so I'm always like really anxious about everything going wrong, but also exciting because just seeing so many like people being so wonderful and excited about the book has been really nice, especially during this really difficult time for everyone um like Fiona's um lovely review and it was just really 
it really made my entire year. So I, it's just been really nice seeing all of that. And can you tell us a bit about what your publishers are planning to do um, for the launch of the book in June? Uh, I can't say too much, but um, they're doing a lot of really cool things. Um, there's a really cool pre-order campaign coming um, that I think we're going to be talking about very soon. There's also a lot of um, exciting things we're planning for, um, you know, readers um, before the launch and also during the launch week. Uh, and mm-hmm. we're also like doing really cool things for the um, actual like launch day um, that I'm excited to talk about soon as well. I think there's been just um, so many amazing plans that like both the US and UK team have been putting together. Like whenever I get an email, I'm just so, so surprised that like they came up with something that was like bigger than I couldn't even could have even like you know thought about so yeah exciting can't wait to find out what it is um you've also launched a mentorship scheme for unagented writers of color called uh, avengers of color is that correct yeah yeah tell me about that why did you want to help um so kind of part of like you know being part of the community I'm really aware of how difficult it was for me uh coming into the industry as a black author because there's not a lot of information out there about um you know how it is for authors in general um and but also uh authors of color and how it is for them on the other side when you get an agent and publishing deal and so I wanted to launch a like a mentorship scheme where we can help them not only with like the editorial process of making sure that their querying package um is really like uh good enough to kind of submit to agents but also uh, giving advice whenever they need it. Um, like some of my mentees have already gotten book deals um, or agents and um, like still I ask them to come to me whenever they they need to talk to someone about something they don't quite understand. Um, and I think it's kind of something I wish I had when I was querying. And so I wanted to kind of give back and make sure people coming up knew things that aren't so public um, about publishing. Yeah, definitely. And I I think that's an amazing thing to do. If you had a message for publishers, if you could give them any tips about what they could do to help aspiring um, Black authors and illustrators get work, I mean, what would would it be? Do you have any advice for them? Uh, Yes, I think it's so important not to create a token um, person of colour. I think it's not helpful for anyone, really. Like, even if that one person of colour is getting a lot of work and is really becoming successful, um, you're not actually making progress because you've only helped one person rather than taking apart the systemic barriers around it. I also think that publishers should engage more with the work of uh, people of colour in general, because I think there's a different experience people bring to their work as people of colour that kind of differs from what you would see in a white person's work, for example. And so um, you may not be used to that. And once you start reading widely, um, you start to kind of diversify the way you see what is classified as good work. Um, And so I think when you've retaught yourself what good work looks like, you kind of naturally start to have a more diverse kind of space in your own um, publishing house. Okay. And you, so you signed a two book deal with Usborne. Now, is Ace of Spades a standalone or will there be a sequel? It's a standalone for now. I always say like anything could happen. Okay. And can you tell me anything about what the second book for Usborne will be about? Right now I'm writing um, kind of the beginning chapters of it and I'm really excited. It's um, a lot more about friendship and feminism and it kind of deals with um, 
things to do with the Me Too movement. And um, it's going to uh, spotlight a uh, Black Muslim main character because I'm Black and Muslim and I've always wanted that representation. So I'm really excited for that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming to um, Chapter and Verse to talk to me today. Before you go, I just have three quick questions that we can, we ask all our guests. Now, the first one is who in the children's book world do you really admire and why do you admire them? Oh, there's so many people I admire. Um, can I only ask, like, can I only give one person or give a few? Give a few, why not? Uh, I definitely admire the team at Nights of, Isha, Amy, David. Um, I really, really love the work they do. I think that they're really making the industry a better place. I also love the team at Barrington Stoke. I'm a dyslexic writer and I've read a lot of um, their works. So I think that they're just doing amazing things for um, making reading accessible for everyone. Uh, I also really like Jasmine from Egmont. She's um, one of the marketing, part of the marketing team there. And she's just so wonderful. And lastly, I love um, Layla from Roundtable Books. I think she's an amazing bookseller and I think she is so enthusiastic. And I used to love going into Roundtable Books um, now and again when the pandemic wasn't a thing and just visiting and seeing her enthusiasm and how amazing she is at what she does. Fantastic. Uh, what is the best thing about making and selling children's books in the UK? Uh, I think it's definitely knowing that I can go into Waterstones and um, see my book there and also just representing the UK like teenage experience which we don't often see that like in media so I really like being able to be a part of that. Yes it's true it can be a bit US dominated can't it the, yeah. the cultural landscape definitely and what are you looking forward to in the year ahead apart from your book being published obviously? Uh, I really hope I can do school visits um, because I would really love to meet like younger readers and um, just speak to them about, you know, becoming published and also just about books in general and um, just hearing their thoughts on what they would love to see. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Farida. Thank you so much for joining us today on Chapter and Verse, The Art of Selling Children's Books. I'm Charlotte Eyre, and this podcast is brought to you by Rocket and the Bookseller Magazine. And thank you to all our listeners who've tuned in, and we look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>